Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, we're going to be getting into our series in the book of Acts again. Um, If you're new here, we've been uh, going through this series. We're on our eighth week uh, today in Acts chapter 6 is where where I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to. And um, really what what we want to do is uh, we're spending some time just exploring the beginning of the church how God grew his church, how God organized his church, and uh, the reason why church exists. And we, we've, we've seen right away from the beginning that church exists as an expression of people that have been witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the, the church is not a building. It's, a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an organization of, of people that, that have followed Jesus, have, that are obedient to him. And uh, it's, it's people that are giving their lives in obedience to following Jesus. And so we, we've seen so far that God started his church right at the beginning of the book of Acts and grew and grew and grew in some just miraculous ways, okay? And before we get into this chapter, Acts chapter 6, I want to just recognize this morning that our God uses some interesting mathematics. Um, I don't know if you, you enjoy math. Anybody enjoy math? Yeah, there's a few people. Yeah, okay. Not many. I have a math teacher back there. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Some people use it for their jobs. Anybody use it like every day for your job? Yeah, like you live in in QuickBooks or things like that. All right. Well, God uses some interesting mathematics in the book of Acts. First of all, we we see that as he begins the church, in Acts chapter 2, it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So the Lord added, and on that first day, he added 3,000 souls. And then remember when Peter and John were arrested, he added another 2,000 souls to the church. So God adds, okay? The, the other thing is that we saw when uh, Brian Peterson preached on Acts chapter 5 is the Lord actually subtracted from his church as well. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They brought in some corruption into the church and, and God subtracted them from the church. So the Lord adds, the Lord subtracts. Today in Acts chapter 6, we're going to see that the Lord also multiplies. At the, end of, at the end of our passage, we're going to see that. I think it's in verse 7. We see that the Lord multiplied disciples. So the Lord adds, the Lord subtracts, the Lord multiplies. But can I tell you something he never does? The Lord does not divide his church. The Lord does not divide. That is not of God when a church is divided. And uh, we see that today, the devil is trying to divide his church through conflict, through opposition. And um, so far in the book of Acts, we've seen that God has tried to stop the movement of the gospel through persecution. We've seen that um, through, through Peter and John, through the apostles being arrested, put in prison, and the church grew as a part of that. We, we've seen that the church, um, church was tried to stop by the devil through corruption, through Ananias and Sapphira, but... God used that, and the church, it says it grew after that, it's continued to grow. Now, God, God is, um, 
Now we see that the devil is going to try and stop the church through division in Acts chapter 6. So look, at, look with me there, Acts chapter 6. And um, if you have your Bibles, just open it up there. We're, gonna, we're, we're pretty straightforward when I preach. We stay usually in one central passage. So Acts chapter 6 is where you want to be today. Um, and we're going to start it in verse 1. And I'll tell you, we're going to see in this passage that uh, God used opposition as an opportunity for the church to grow. So I've entitled this message, The Opportunity in Opposition. And we're, we're going to also learn some leadership principles that you can apply into your daily life, into your family, into your workplace, actually through this as well. So, so that's where we're going this morning. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 it says this, it begins like this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So right away you see there is growing division in the church as the church is also growing. And um, just to explain what, what's happening right here is that... Um, is that often when, when something grows, you will notice that there's a variety of expectations that people have. And so the expectations that people had was that uh, we're going to all participate together in doing what Jesus said was the definition of true religion. That being that true religion is found when, when we're taking care of orphans and widows in their distress, okay? That, that's the definition of true religion. And so the church was trying to practice this. The problem was, is they had insiders and they had outsiders. Just like in the church today, there are some of you that you'd con I'd, I'd consider you to be like an insider. You've been in the church for a long time. You're well-connected. Maybe you're part of a 242 group. Um, maybe maybe you've, you're a member of the church. You're an insider. You're Valley Church insider, okay? They had insiders like that too. But these people were different. These were Messianic Jews. These were people that lived in the city of Jerusalem. They had heard the gospel of Jesus. Maybe they had witnessed the resurrection themselves. And they had come to faith believing that he was the Messiah. Now the thing that they had going for them was that they were already connected. They were really well connected to the internal life of just caring for one another. They knew each other. Their families knew each other. Maybe they had practiced Judaism together. And so basically what they did is they transferred the, the principles that they had had, you know, with Judaism. Maybe they had a feeding program and they just transferred that over to Christianity. They said, we're going to keep on taking care of each other. We're going to meet the needs of our widows. We're going to help each other out. And so you had the insiders that were already doing this. And then you had another group. They were called the Hellenists. Now, if you study the Hellenists, these were um, basically uh, Jews that were Jews by blood, but a long time ago they had started to adopt the culture of the Greeks. And so most of them actually lived outside of Jerusalem, and we know that a lot of people came into Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost, and they heard the gospel for the first time. These people started coming to faith, but the problem was, they weren't well connected. They didn't speak the same language. They had a different culture. They had different values. They didn't know people. They were not connected to the internal system already going on. And so what they found themselves in a position being is that uh, they found that 
the Jews were showing partiality to their widows and not helping out their own, the Hellenists. They were excluding them. And, and to be honest, I, I, don't, I don't believe that this was intentional or there was any kind of malicious intent behind these Hellenists being forgotten or being excluded. But what we see is there's a complaint. There's conflict that arises. And can I just educate you a little bit on what conflict is? Anytime you have conflict, you're going to see that there's an unmet expectation. Whether you've talked about it or not, if there's conflict, those two things are clashing. One of you expected one thing, the other expected another. And there you have conflict arising. And the beauty is, is that we see that God used this potential place that the church could be divided and he changed it into an opportunity for it to be unified. It says, the complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected, okay? Now, the first principle I want to teach you is this. It's not, you don't have sermon notes today, but you can write it down. Some of these flow together. A principle that, that I believe applies to this is, is that growth creates problems. Growth creates problems. If you want to write that down so you remember it, here, here's the way I understand it, okay? As we see this church was growing, this was a good problem, okay? But it was still a problem that had to be solved, okay? I, I remember back to our family. As our family has grown, we've had different problems that we've had to overcome, okay? I don't know if you knew this, but, but uh, when we came to the church back in 2009, we lived in the D&D motel for about a month and a half, okay? You know how big those rooms were? Yeah, about 12 by 12 <laughs> in a bathroom. Okay, that was it. Okay, and here Precious is pregnant with Zoe. Well, later on, we had another problem. We, we did eventually buy a house. We were able to get into our home in Payton City. And I remember later on when, when uh, we moved from three kids to four kids, we had another problem. That is, we drove a truck. I had a nice Ford F-150, and we loved that thing. But we realized as soon as we got pregnant, we're not going to fit into this truck anymore. This truck only seats five, and we're going to be a family of six. So what did we do? We had to solve the problem by selling the truck and buying a minivan. <laughs> and uh, we didn't stay a minivan family for long. We eventually turned that into an expedition, and, and we still have that. But can I tell you, growth creates problems. It does. Growth creates problems. Um, and just like this early church back here in the book of Acts faced problems with their growth, um, we as a church have also faced problems, and we as a church still do face problems as we continue to grow. I don't know if you know this, but the church is growing. We've had, had quite a few Sundays that we've been over 200, uh, 210, 215, and our kids area has exploded, okay? Um, we, we commonly have about 55 to 60 kids in our Valley Kids, and then our youth group, and we're, we're running about 17, 15 to 20, you know, 20 kids on a Sunday evening. And uh, here's the deal. You know, when we came to the church back in 2009, our church total was about 75 people commonly. We'd have Sundays where we'd even have 50 people in attendance. And growth has created problem after problem after problem. Good problems, but problems that we have had to solve. I'll tell you even for myself. We'd have Sundays where 
I would be, this is, this is what, what I did for the first number of years in church. I would uh, have Sunday, I'd teach Sunday school. Um, I, would pr- I would lead worship. I would preach Sunday morning. Um, I would then, we'd turn around, we'd come back for evening church. Anybody remember night church? You know? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, praise God, those days are over, okay? Come back, I'd preach a second service that evening, okay? Um, I would lead on a Wednesday night for a Bible study. I would teach our youth group. We organized a lot of the kids' curriculum. And uh, man, it was just way too much. Do I do a lot of those things anymore? No, because problems have happened that I, have, I don't have the time for that anymore. Praise God, we've spread that ministry out. Early on, we had a core group of probably 15 people that, man, they were dedicated and they worked in their ministries about every single week. It's not like that anymore. Praise God for that. Now, when we think about the growth that has happened in Valley Church and the growth that was happening back in the early church, those problems needed to be solved. If we would have just let those problems go, it would have hindered our growth. There had been a lot of conflict, a lot of unmet expectations, a lot of people burning out, okay? Can I tell you, growth in our church has right now caused space problems. Um, I can't tell you, about every, every single week, we are hearing that our Valley Kids area is overflowing. We need more, yeah, you're nodding your head, space. Those of you that work in Valley Kids, you'll know we need space, okay, even for our Valley youth. They need space, it's created volunteer problems in that uh, we need more, more people to be involved in the work of ministry. And that's a good problem, but still a problem that needs to be solved. It's caused technology problems. Or we've, had to, we've had to use better technology. It's caused communication problems, working with larger teams. It's also caused some financial problems as well, where we need to hire, but we don't have the money to do it. And so we need to all come together to give more so that the church can continue to move forward, okay? And so, so as I said, growth creates problems, but we don't stop it there. Second principle is this, problems create opportunities. Problems create opportunities. And that's the way that these apostles looked at this problem that they had. And that's the way that I want us to look at any problems that we have here at Valley Church problems are opportunities. And you may want to write this down as well, is that, and we're going to focus on this uh, because this is the way that they answered their problem, is that problems create opportunities for new leaders. Problems create opportunities for new leaders. And what, what I don't mean by this is that whenever there's a problem or whenever growth happens, that it's out with the old and in with the new. No, what I mean by this is that whenever growth happens, it creates, an, it opens door for more people to step up and lead and serve in different areas of ministry. You may, you may relate it into your workplace as well. If you've gone through a, 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 a you know, if you've experienced a place that, that is growing and thriving, you'll know that it opens up positions. It opens up opportunities to advance in your career, to move up. And, and to hire more people, and, and that, is, that is what we're looking at here. Problems created opportunities for new leaders. The apostles recognized we need more leaders. We need more people than just the 12. 
the core 12. We need people to oversee the daily distribution of food. We need people that recognize the unique need of these Hellenists. We need people that can do that because we want to do everything decently and in order. So verse 2, if you keep on reading, how did they solve this problem? How did they turn this problem into an opportunity? Verse 2, read it with me. It says this, that the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and they said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. We'll stop right there because we need to explain it. Now, to serve tables back then did not mean actually serving food or, or cleaning up someone's table. That's not what they're talking about. They weren't talking about these apostles going to each widow's home and, and serving them their lunch and then cleaning it up and, and, and going back home. No, it actually meant dealing with the administrative and the practical details relevant to caring for these widows. A table at that time was also used, used synonymously with a place that money changers would, um, would go about collecting and exchanging money. What these apostles were talking about was, we need people to administrate this. We need people to go and do this work. We don't need to be entwined in the daily affairs of administrating this to happen. We know it needs to happen, but it's going to bog us down. We don't believe that we need to give up preaching the Word of God to go and administrate a feeding program. That's basically what they were saying. Now, also notice this. I don't believe that they were saying that this work is below us. That's an important thing to note, because there are actually pastors that will take this verse and they'll use it to say, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get my hands dirty. You know, all I do is I, I'm a preacher. I preach the word, okay? And, and they avoid getting their hands dirty, okay? They avoid doing hard work and, um, and, and using it as, as an excuse to just be lazy, okay? If you are thinking about pastoral ministry or thinking about being in ministry at all, um, and you have this kind of mindset that there is some kinds of work that are beneath you, you better change your mindset because there is something spiritually going on in you that is wrong, okay? For each one of us, we are called, as Jesus said, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're here, Valley Church, to serve, okay? Doesn't matter what your title is. Doesn't matter how much you make. Doesn't matter, you know, where, where you live. You are here to serve. We're all on the same level, Okay? There's not one better than, than the other. There is not tasks that are higher or lower. We're all, we, are, we are all important no matter what we do. So as a Jesus follower, we see nothing as being beneath us. But what we also see from this is that the apostles were learning, okay? And, and, and I, I love looking back on the life of the apostles. Do you remember how they responded to Jesus when Jesus had that crowd of 5,000 people? Jesus came to his disciples and said, um, hey, um, hey, guys, we, we got to feed these people. And what did the disciples say? Remember that? They're all, they're all hungry. You know, they all, they all were going to leave for the day and go get lunch. And the disciples were like, just send them home. We don't have the money to feed these people. Remember that? But what did Jesus say? Have the people sit down. And he went and he found two, five loaves and two fish, 
and he prayed for it. And then miraculously, it multiplied. And the disciples, instead of producing it, they distributed it. See, what they had learned was we're not the producers. We don't have to do everything. We're just called to equip people to then distribute it. We're called to equip people to distribute the food that's needed. We're called to, to make sure that, that it gets done, that people are equipped with what they need. We are not the producers. We are distributors. And, and see, the, the, the people, when they approached the apostles, they wanted the apostles to handle it personally. But they turned it back on them. They said, no, no, that's not right for us to do. We're here to distribute the work. We're here to equip the saints, as, as Timothy, or, uh, Paul said to Timothy. He, he, he said, said this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that your role as a pastor is to equip the saints for works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. See, success, success for them was not that um, they be more dependent on the apostles' skills and talents and abilities but upon the body being equipped to exercise a variety of gifts. And Jesus had modeled that for them. He'd equipped the disciples, sent them out. Then he brought them back to have a little powwow. Hey, what went wrong? Hey, what worked? What didn't work? And then he equipped them and he sent them out. And then they brought them back. Hey, what worked? What didn't work? And then he sent them out, okay? And that's why at the end of Jesus' life, he said, he said to his disciples, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus knew he wasn't going to stay there. He was going up to heaven. He depended on these 12 people that he invested in to go and bring the message of the good news to the whole world. And that should be our mindset here at Valley Church. We're not just dependent on one person. We, we, we don't come just for a pastor or for a, for a ministry leader. Our, our mindset is to equip the saints for works of ministry. And, and even, just, just to point this out, what, what, we, what I also, I, I love it, Cliff, that you're going to have DJ teaching tonight because that's just, a, that's just an example of equipping the saints. And, and I, I'm so blessed when I see that happening all around our church, even, even 242 groups is just an expression of that, where we have so many groups. Now, a meeting throughout the week, almost every single day, we have a group meeting, and they're discipling one another. That work cannot just be done by one person alone. We equip the saints for works of ministry that the body might be built up on. The other thing is this. If you're a leader, your role is not to build yourself a platform. Platform is a big deal these days. You got social media, um, you know, that, that's a big deal. You got people that are trying to bring themselves a following, build themselves a platform, 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 all this stuff. Your role is not to build yourself a platform. Your role is to be a platform. Be a place that other leaders can stand upon, that you can equip them to do the work. Okay, that, that may be helpful for you if you're a leader in your business or wherever you work or in your home. You know, this, this is a great concept when you're raising children. You don't want them to be dependent on you. You want to equip them to do all that they can to be a successful adult. Okay, you're equipping them. You're not limiting them. Okay, so equip them. As we go on to verse 3, what we see is that uh, here's what they said. Here's what they said to the people. Verse 3, they said, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, 
whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So notice a few things. They didn't throw the complainers out. They didn't divide into two congregations saying, oh, we're going to have the first church of the Jews and the first church of the Hellenists. No, they didn't do that. Okay, they didn't divide. They didn't shun the unhappy people. They didn't form a committee to discuss the ideas to death. No, they, uh, they, they didn't ignore the problem either. No, they took action on it. They delegated And they brought more people into doing the work of ministry. Notice the kind of people, though, that they chose. This is important. Men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. The apostles, they they focused on character over competency. They didn't look for the best looking, the most popular, the most educated, the most influential. No, they picked men who were godly and were full of the Spirit and wisdom. Okay, this is another leadership principle that you can apply wherever you're at, is hire people with character. Competency can be taught. Hire people with character. The people wanted to make sure that they could trust these guys. So they hired people with character. And they were full of the Spirit and and wisdom. I love this phrase because it means that not only were they spiritually minded, they were practically minded. Sometimes you have in in churches, you have people that are so spiritually minded that they don't know how to get anything done. And then you have, on the other hand, people that are so practically minded that they ignore the spiritual altogether. And what God said is, I want people who are spiritually minded and practically minded. People that are going to get the work of ministry done. What I want is both. And you know, I'll just, I'll just side note, Valley Church, here, here at our church, our leaders are a great combination of that. Let me, just, let me just give a hand to those that are serving in Valley Church right now as leaders. Because what, what you'll notice is that, that they are not only spiritually minded, they are practically minded. They get things done. And we're all growing, we're all learning, but we are blessed by our leaders here. Um, on an average Sunday, in order to support over 200 people that attend here at Valley Church, it takes, and I calculated it up, over 40 different volunteer positions 40 different volunteer positions to cover and staff Valley Kids, Valley Youth, our security team, our coffee, worship team, a tech team, uh, production team, hospitality and care ministries, our elders and facilities and communication. All of those teams work together to seek, serve, and send disciples through Valley Church. And I didn't even include our 242 leaders in that, okay? Just to do Sunday. We have over 40 people serving every single week. That is awesome. You guys are involved in the work of ministry. You're making a difference. And so if if the apostles did not take the problem and turn it into an opportunity, it would have led to division. They chose seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. Now you may wonder, why was there such an obsession on these men being so spiritual. Weren't they going to just administer a feeding program? Isn't, you know, isn't that just you know, something that anybody could do? Why is there obsession with the spiritual qualifications of these men? There's nothing spiritual about that, right? 
wrong. Wrong. Because here's, here's another thing I want you to write down. And just apply wherever you go. Into your homes, into your workplace, into your schools. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. I don't care if you have the most boring job in the world. If you sit at a machine and you, you press out car parts or whatever you do, and you do the same part every single day, what do you do? God says, whatever you do by word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. Even that? Yeah, even that. Okay? What, what if it means sitting at home as, as a mom with, with three or four kids and you're pulling your hair out? Does it mean glorify God even in that? Yes, even in that. You are there on purpose for a purpose. What if it means being a CEO or a manager or, or you know, something in your workplace? Yes, even that. You have influence wherever you are. If you're a grandparent, if you're a, a parent, a father or mother, husband or wife, if you're a student, if you're single at this moment, God has you there on purpose for a purpose. If you're a child, you are there at that stage or phase because God wants you there. He wants you to glorify Him in whatever you do. It says, for from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. Even where I'm at, yeah, it's for Him. Okay? Everything is spiritual. And I love connecting the dots for people here at Valley Church. If you serve at Valley Church, can I just connect some dots for you? I'm going to pick on some, some, some positions. That person that was at the door this morning, handing out a bulletin, smiling, shaking hands, can I just say, you're not just holding a door. You're not just handing out a bulletin. What I know about you is that you are one of the most critical faces of Valley Church. As people walk into Valley Church, there's been people, most people actually decide whether or not they are going to engage and even return. Most people decide within the first 30 seconds whether or not they're going to return to Valley Church. That's before the worship team even plays a note. That's before I even speak a word, okay? Most people decide whether or not this is a good experience or not, whether or not they're going to return to church. You are the face of Jesus to them. If you serve on our guest services team, I want to just thank you for, for being a good example. I, I, I heard someone this morning say, coming to Valley Church is like coming to a family reunion every single Sunday. Isn't that awesome? That's a great way to describe it. I love it. I love it. And you guys create that culture. You're the face of Jesus, okay? Maybe if you serve working on our facility, Maybe if you, you help paint a wall, or you're mopping a floor, or you're cleaning a toilet, or, or you're, you're fixing some plumbing. Man, if you did that, can I just, just let you know that, that uh, it's not just painting a wall, it's not just fixing a leak, it's not just, you know, scrubbing a floor or, or cleaning a toilet. No, you are creating a space for lives to be impacted by the gospel, for us to be encouraged by God's word, and for just one more every single Sunday to come to know Jesus, to move from death to life, you are a part of that. I want to just connect you. You are part of our mission to seek, serve, and send disciples of Jesus if you serve here, okay? Pick on one more area. If you serve in Valley Kids, you serve in Valley Youth, 
you're not just filling a position. You're not just clicking, yes, I can be there, green, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill that position for the nursery, okay? And you're not just holding a little baby, okay? You're not just keeping them from crying. You're not just filling a space in a class. No, you are investing in seeing our lives transformed, our children's lives transformed by the gospel. You're investing in the next generation of Valley Church, the future leaders of Valley Church. You are a part of that. You are helping to equip parents when they go back home in the rest of the six days of the week uh, to be able to disciple their children to seek, serve, and send them out into this valley. Okay, you are a part of that. Everything is spiritual. Just connect the dots. Connect the dots to see that. Okay, everything is spiritual. We are a body with many members. And I pick on some obscure areas just because I want, I want you to know it's not just the stage things that make a difference. It's not those that are listed as leaders or directors. It's not just those people that make a difference. We're a body with many members. And the concept is this. If there's a little pinky toe that hurts, we're all to pay attention to it. It matters, okay? I, I, I heard someone this morning say, I broke my toe and I can't wear shoes anymore, okay? Because it hurts, okay? When we miss you at church, it hurts. When we miss your giftings, it hurts. It's not what it should be. The body is not what it should be when you don't connect and get plugged in. So let me just encourage you in that. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And it's not just here at church. So your workplace, wherever you find yourself during the week, okay? But verse 5, keep on going. Man, you didn't know all this was in this passage, did you? We're going to get through verse 8 today, and then we'll end. Verse 5, it said, And what they said pleased the whole gathering. You know there's a miracle right there? When you can get a diverse group of people to agree, that is a miracle, okay? God performed a miracle. What they said, please the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Remember him, because we're going to come back to him in a little bit. And Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And it says that they set them before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. They chose seven. Seven men. And all of these, actually what we know about them is they were most likely Greek-speaking Jews who they themselves understood the culture. They recognized the challenges of these Hellenist widows And it says that because they turned this opposition into an opportunity, verse 7, it says that the word of God continued to what? Multiply. Increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So again, we see God's mathematics at work that God adds. God subtracts. God multiplies. But what does he never do in a church? He does not divide. He does not divide. So let's learn from the early church in this way. As we grow as Valley Church, and we are growing, can I tell you, we're going to experience more opposition. We're going to experience more conflict. And when it comes, let's turn that problem into an opportunity. Let's turn the problems into an opportunity for more 
people to be involved in the work of ministry, to solve the problems that we face going forward. And I just want to thank those of you who serve at Valley Church, seriously. Those of you who, who serve week in or week out, or maybe, maybe all your schedule allows is for one month to just serve and be a part of something. Can I just thank you right now for being part of our mission to seek, serve, and send disciples of Jesus? You are doing a big thing. You are doing a big thing, even though it seems kind of small. You're doing a big thing. That person who is holding your baby right now in the nursery, that person is doing a big thing. That person who handed you a bulletin this morning, that person is doing a big thing, okay? That, that person who, who got here at 8 a.m. this morning to practice music, you are doing a big thing, giving your time, your talent, your treasure. Can I also thank those of you, those of you who are doing a big thing by setting aside the first portion of what you receive to invest it in the work that's happening at Valley Church. It may seem small, but you are doing a big thing because what God does is he takes that money that you give to Valley Church when you set up regular giving and he multiplies it and he uses it for his glory. We see lives transformed every single day because of that. And so I had one main point this morning. I'm going to give you a second, but that first main point was, was what? Problems create opportunities for new leaders. Problems create opportunities for new leaders. And I'm going to end with a second point, is that new problems also lead to new opportunities. New problems lead to new opportunities. We're going to end with verse 8. One of those men, I told you to remember him, his name is Stephen. And Stephen is a man who responded with a yes to a small thing. Yeah, I'll step up. I'll help administrate the care for these Hellenist widows. I'll do that. Yeah, I can, I can do that. You know what God did? God used that small thing, and he used him in a big way. Verse 8. Read verse 8. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. It may seem like a small verse, but it speaks of a lot because it represents what happens in the rest of chapter 6 and 7. That Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen, who had been faithful in the little things, did great things, did big things. And what did he face? If you read, and I encourage you to read chapter 6 and 7, he faced opposition after opposition after opposition. People came in and he was brought in front of a courtroom and they brought in people because they couldn't convict him on his own. They brought in people to lie about him, actually, to convict him falsely. And Stephen there, as he's in that courtroom, had an opportunity in chapter 7 to preach the gospel, to which he was then stoned as the first martyr. He was killed because of his faith. But God used him in great ways. Because as we're going to see next week, there was someone there observing his death. And we'll save that for next week, but we'll see what, what happens. God used someone that was opposed to Christ as the greatest evangelist we've ever known. God used the Stephen who was faithful in the little things. God made him a new opportunity 
through the opposition that he faced, a new opportunity to speak Jesus. And can I tell you, whenever, whenever you face opposition, when you're going through it, change your mindset because God can turn that, op- that opposition into an opportunity for you to be used by God. I want to just, as we end, I want us, as we think back to the history of the church, aren't you glad that the apostles didn't give up at this point when they faced discouragement? Aren't you glad that they didn't just like, oh, let's just split. This is too hard. No. They used the opposition as an opportunity. And I, I, just to connect ourselves to, to our own church, aren't you glad that over 67 years here at this church, that when, when we have faced problems, that we as a church have chosen to view the problems as an opportunity to involve more people in the life of the church, to raise up new leaders, to equip the saints for works of ministry. It hasn't been always awesome, but God has been faithful. And here we are today, generation after generation after generation who has passed the gospel on to the next generation. And that's the reality, guys, is that we as a church, we have we are here as leaders for this generation, and we will pass it on to the next. Will we be faithful in the small things that God has given us? Will we be faithful when we're faced with, with maybe small problems or big problems? Small problems, small opportunities. Big problems, big opportunities. Will we be faithful no matter what God brings our way? Let's stand as we close, and let's, uh, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us to be faithful to him and to use these problems as opportunities today. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you that you've placed us here as Valley Church. And that, Lord Jesus, that when you saw the problem that we were facing, God, that you didn't just say, oh, let them take care of it themselves. But, Lord, you sent your son down to this earth, Jesus Christ to go and take our problem before you. To come down to become like one of us. To live, live a perfect life. To, as Stephen did, face threats and false accusations and were whipped and beaten and then crucified as a martyr. Lord, all that, all that we might be saved taking our sin upon yourself, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you didn't give up. That you took that problem and you turned it into an opportunity for us to know you, for us to worship you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I I pray for those of us here that are here today, that we would take our problems and we would lift them up to you. And, Lord, you would just turn them into opportunities for us to grow to be changed. God, that you'd use us in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families. God, I pray pray for those mothers here that, that are, are raising their kids. I, I pray for that, that person that, that's working six or seven days a week. God, I, I pray that they would do these things for the glory of God. God, that you'd use them. God, I also want to just, just, uh, just lift up those right now that, that may have heard the gospel just now for the first time. That are hearing that you, Jesus, are the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father but through you. 
in this moment now between you and God, if, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, maybe just raise up your hand. just want to help you. Anyone here like to receive Jesus today as their Savior? Anyone here want to move from death to life? Anyone, just raise up your hand. I'd like to pray with you. Amen. Just as a reminder to all of us here of the gospel that we rejoice in, God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Lord, we come to you and we repent of our sins. We thank you for being the Savior, for dying for us. God, would you change us and make us your children. Help us to follow after you and live in obedience to all that you've commanded. Thank you for your church. Thank you that I can be part of it. Thank you for the work that you are doing by your spirit to mold us and shape us and change us. And we pray that your spirit would continue to work God, that you'd surround this place and that we might move, move forward as your followers. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.